Hello there, welcome to Jubes and Curd, the podcast of my show on GB News. My name's Michelle Jubery, and you can catch me live every weekday evening from 6 till 7pm. But worry not, if you miss it, you can catch up here after every show. So let's do it. Welcome to Jubes and Curd. Thanks for that. Well, keeping me company until seven o'clock tonight. My panel, we've got the Conservative commentator, Alex Dean, and the political commentator, Joe Phillips. Good evening to both Good of evening you. Good evening uh, You know the drill as well on Jubes & Co. It's not just about us here. It's about you at home as well. What's on your mind tonight? What do you think to the topics that we will be discussing? Get in touch with me. My email is gbviews at gbnews.uk. Or you can tweet me at GB News or at Michelle Jubes. Lots of you have uh, been getting in contact already. Just been talking about lawless Britain. Uh, Nick says, Michelle, I think it's TV programme makers that have got a lot to answer for. He says, look at TV now. Even just things like the Serps. It's all about plotting revenge, serial killers. And he says, maniacs in general. Um, is it? Do you think that TV, the media more generally, has uh, a part to play in this, uh, Della says, it's the lack of serious punishment. The do-gooders always stepping in to defend the rights of the offenders before the victims. Shame on them. Uh, that's what Della says. And Paul says, hi, Debbie. Love your jacket. What's it made of? It looks a lovely velvet. That says Paul. Uh, well, Paul, I've got a jacket on. Uh, Tatiana had a jacket on. No idea who Debbie is. Um, <laughs> Tatiana and Michelle sounds quite different to Debbie, but I'll take the credit. I think you're talking about mine. Uh, yes, thank you very much for that. Uh, right, let's get straight into it then, shall we? Just in the last few days alone, I mean, come on, uh, have we seen what is going on in the streets of Britain? A nine-year-old girl, just been talking about that in the headlines there, shot dead in her own home. Uh, her mother was wounded with, of course, had the grandfather that was stabbed to death while he was out on a mobility scooter. Uh, and a story that I was referring to earlier on that absolutely shocked me, I read it, I think it was yesterday, uh, a guy barged into the home uh, and raped a mother and a teenage daughter and forced each of them to watch. That was just days, by the way, after he had left prison for being a serial uh, burglar. I mean, I could go on. Every single day now, it does seem that there is a horrendous crime taking place on the streets of the UK. And it's got me pondering tonight, why? What is going on? Um, you know, you can you look at all these statistics, uh, Alex Dean, and people will say, oh, well, there's not been a rise in overall crime. Things are not getting worse. It just feels like that. But that doesn't wash with me. Because whilst there might not have been a rise in overall crime, uh, I think that is because... Things like uh, theft and stuff like that, there's been a, something like a 20% decline in that, but that's because, if you ask me, people are not bothering reporting stuff like theft anymore. There's been something like a quarter in the rise of <clears throat> homicides, so more serious uh, cases. So I do think that crime is on the rise. Tories are supposed to be the party of the law and order. It's difficult to disagree with your premise because very often when crime statistics go up, people say that it's because they're being reported more. So it's, it's inevitable that someone has a right to point to statistics that say they're going down and say, isn't that because people are reporting them less because they don't trust or believe in the system to solve the crime in which they've been involved or in which they are a victim. I know you're making a point about crime generally, but I find it impossible to move on from the case of that little girl shot in her own home mm. without talking about that a little bit. 
And uh, first of all, it's the most appalling thing you can imagine, isn't it? A mother and daughter thinking they are safely in their own home. Uh, and what seems from a preliminary read to be gang on gang violence mm. comes crashing into their home with fatal results for them. Now, uh, it seems to me, and I've, it's been a number of years since I've practised at the bar, but I certainly prosecuted and defended um, people involved in serious matters. There is very little you can say on behalf of somebody who's shot and killed a little girl, and, and this guy has got to realise he's going to get caught. Right? There is an omerta, there's a rule of, there's a rule of silence very often um, or for people involved in gang activity. It will not apply here. He should realise that someone knows who he is and he's going to get his collar felt very quickly. And the only thing he can do to help himself, having been so incredibly stupid, the only clever thing he can do is to give himself up and plead guilty. Because those are the only things that are going to be available for him in mitigation, short of some profound mental health issues and so forth, which may come out later, short of believing himself to have been in danger from the man he shot. And by the way, I note that the victim that he shot, friends went into the home, picked him up and took him out. Going past an injured woman and a dead child, but they had no right to know she was dead at the time, she could have well have done with, with yeah. their help, yeah. right, brushed past the two of them to take him out. Right? So this is the worst kind of gang-on-gang uh, violence, and the only thing that he can do to have any kind of mitigation in our court system is to give himself up and plead guilty. He's the not going to do that. I mean, he may do. The, the headline, uh, the Liverpool Echo, the local newspaper, it says solidarity is Liverpool's strength today. It must mean helping to catch Olivia's killer. Olivia's the girl, obviously, that we're just talking about. And uh, the local paper is saying, you know, somebody must know who this person is. Damn right, someone will know who this person is, Joe, and those people will do everything in their power to defend this little squirrel and not get him turned into the police. I don't know. I think, as Alex said, this is such an appalling crime. Um, you know, there is nothing that would mitigate the death of an innocent child, but in her own home with her mum, it's not even as though it was on the street, you know, it was an, uh, an accident. Um, I think there might be people out there who actually think this is gone too far. There will be somebody who is giving him shelter and sanctuary at the moment, but I think anyone who has got any heart yeah. and any shred of decency, and as Alex says, any sense about making what is so dreadful less dreadful, yeah. might actually... It's React. One more, two more words on that. For all we know, that person is watching this show tonight. Exactly. That person that knows something. And they should think about the fact that actively assisting this person now will mean a significant amount of trouble and blame for them. Yeah, unless right. they come forward and help in um, in that person identifying himself. So that's why he. Ought, that's the other reason he ought to uh, to come forward himself because soon enough someone's going to shop him. Right. I mean, I, I hope that you're right. Maybe I just am losing faith in humanity because I think that these people would do everything possible to cover up, the, cover up for themselves, get themselves off the hook rather than looking in the mirror and going, do you know what, I need to listen to the things like you're saying, oh, yeah, yeah be a good, decent person. You're not a good, decent person. There'll be somebody. There will be, yeah. you know, this chap's mother or sister or wife or child or somebody who will actually, you know, not everybody is bad and not everybody who is, for whatever reason, involved in this sort of criminal underworld 
is as bad as this. Yeah, and I imagine the guy he shot knows who he is. Yes, and I imagine exactly. his friends uh, know who he is, so that's a start. But the other thing to bear in mind, Michelle, is that people watching this, people thinking about this story, many of them will be outraged. And from time to time, a wealthy person comes forward and says, I will assist this process by offering a, re a reward for this mm. person's capture. Mm. I imagine that's going to be forthcoming soon too as well. And this is the... Uh, see, there's the pressing reasons for this idiot to come forward. Idiot's too mild a term, but th this person to come forward and hand himself in will just get more and more strong. Yeah, and I tell you, I was just looking into uh, Merseyside generally. More than 30 incidents involving weapons have been reported uh, by police in June, July and August. And I've got a printout of all of them. And when you go through them, I was trying to look at, you know, who are these kind of people? And one of the things that shocked me was the ages uh, involved in some of these incidents. So 17th of June, two men are stabbed. An 18-year-old was arrested. The 18th of June, a 16-year-old was arrested. The 5th of July, a 50-year-old was stabbed. 53-year-old was arrested. It seems to span all different... Here in July, a 23-year-old. I mean, it, it spans... Everyone. It's not just stupid well, kids. It's men in their 50s. Yes, exactly. Um, and I think, uh, you know, Merseyside has, uh, like many big cities, has got a problem of with gangs, the same as London, the same as Manchester, the same as Bristol and, uh, and many of our major cities. I think, you know, you, you were talking about lawless Britain and every now and again you will get a story or a spate of stories which send fear and chills mm. through people. And I think it's quite important to separate the difference between the fear of crime and actual crime. Um, and I think, you know, most of us um, go about our lives relatively safely. People shouldn't be in a position where they feel frightened to go out. This is obviously a million times worse because it happened to somebody in their home where they should be safe. But I think, you know, there, as Alex was saying, there are issues about reporting crime. There are issues about whether the police investigate crime. And I know... Um, you know, from talking to police officers, that many, many times they won't even bother yeah. to investigate mm. something right. like a shoplifting unless it's over uh, a certain level. And that's the problem, right? So you could... The punishments... Because one of your, uh, one of your, your viewers was saying that they think the, the thing is we don't have harsh enough punishments. Mm. But the thing is, if you've got... If you don't think for a moment you're going to get caught, it doesn't matter what the punishment right, is. Right, which leads me nicely, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, if you don't think that you are going to get caught, you might find yourself doing things like this. Look at this footage. Of course, this was streamed on uh, one of the social media sites, I think it was, TikTok. So this is a McDonald's. If you're watching, not listening, uh, this is a gang of kids, uh, like, I don't know, say teenage kids, and they've gone into a McDonald's in Nottingham, and they seem to think that they can just jump the counter grabbing uh, whatever they can get their grubby little mitts on, quite frankly, uh, fries, burgers, whatever it is, they could not care less. Most of them have not covered their face. Yeah. Most of them think they're absolute little big men. And it, it sickens me because I look at this and no, I can't compare this to what's just gone on in terms of the killing uh, of a child and nor would I intend to correlate the two. But to me, there is this complete lack of consideration. Oh, I can just do what I want. Because you know that the chances are that nobody's going to come and deal with it. Um, I mean, the local shop round the corner from me, which is a, a small supermarket, 
um, people walk in there and brazenly steal stuff and walk out again. And the staff behind the counter can't get to them. They can see them on CCTV. But because it's only, you know, a few bottles of booze or whatever, it's not... The police won't bother to investigate. So people know that. And this is the problem. You know, we want the police to investigate every single crime. They can't. They haven't got the resources. But there isn't anything... Um, being sort of sent out as a message to people that that actually it's not always about criminality. You know, yes. your face is but on confidence that. in law. You actually should not be able to uh, get a job interview. Let's say, you know. Yeah, don't make me no, laugh. No, 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 those no. people in there nicking those baggers, they don't want a job. They can't care well, less if they've got a well, job interview. Well, hang on, on a second. Do, do you remember after the football when a crowd danced on the? Uh, uh, emergency vehicles that were parked up by London Bridge. And they did so brazenly. They didn't try to hide who they were. They thought that they were out there on top of the world. They didn't care. Months later, when they tearfully said sorry, were humiliated in the press and got uh, and went through the courts rightly and were punished for it, they felt rather different. And I hope these people you've just shown, showing complete contempt... If you were a member of staff at that McDonald's, you'd have been terrified. You would. Right? It doesn't yeah. matter that they're just taking a burger or chips yeah. or whatever. You'd have been absolutely terrified by this incident. And these guys deserve uh, to get caught. They deserve, if they are of that age, for their parents to be hauled in and to hear just what um, the rest of us think of this kind of way. Look at the poor staff you know, cowering away it's from awful. them there. Absolutely dreadful. Um, well, someone's... Well, I would say someone... I would say I've got a lot of emails saying, Michelle, why aren't you pointing out to anyone that's listening or watching that the majority of those people that were just doing that were young black teenagers? And I do wonder... If there's something in the kind of concept, a lot of the political movement about Black Lives Matter, there's a big tenant of that, which is, I can't swear, but it's F the police, yeah. if you know what I mean, at tea time. Uh, ACAB, which, if yeah. you know what that abbreviation it means, is. it's not fit for tea time. And I do wonder, have we got this new generation of these kids that really do think, F the police, I'm going to do things like that? Well, yeah, I, but I, I hating think... the police is a genuine equal opportunities pursuit. Uh, I, I promise you that there are, there are gangs of kids in every culture that, that think that. Now, that, it is true that the gang you, we just saw uh, were black teenagers. I can make lots of points about uh, the fact that there's gangs in every uh, culture. The thing I would resent is the inability to notice the obvious, that that is a gang of black te teenagers. That's true. And we can point that out. But there are gangs from every, yeah. uh, and every the, background. And, and the incident that I've just been talking about, which is in a small town in Kent, they are gangs of white teenagers. I mean, they're not marauding in the same way. Um, but, I mean, you can't just... They're still making your shopkeeper's life a misery. Well, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, the, and there are small incidents that, you know, having said that we should all be able to walk the street safely and, you know, we have to get it into perspective. Um, you know... Teenagers, young people, if you challenge them on something quite minor, like dropping litter, the abuse. The aggression you get, you get back. And I find what's really, really upsetting is that it's sexualised aggressive abuse, um, you know, mm. to women of my age, which is completely unpalatable. And, and you sort of think, so when you come to me for a job or when I'm judging your next school debate, do you know, it's something about being able to, and what I think, I'm not articulating this very well, but they need to understand that they are in a community 
and that they it will come back. I there, think so you, were, you were articulating that well, if I may say. And the people who, who did what we just watched on your monitors, Michelle, believe that they were doing what they were doing utterly without consequences. Yeah. And that's why what Joe says has, has forced to it, in my view. Well, I, I love you, Joe, but I think you're just being too uh, optimistic about some of these people because you're saying, oh, when they abuse me, they might not realise that they might have to come to me for a job interview. I don't think that these people want jobs. I think, and I blame social media for a lot of this, I think social media presents to these young kids this image of this instant gratification. Oh, yeah. You yeah. can get whatever yeah. you want. Yeah. You don't need to go and graft. You don't need to get a minimum uh, wage job. You don't need to work yourself up the ranks. You want one of those watches? No worries, my friend. You just walk up to that fella there, you just rip it off his arm. If you work, give you it, you just pull your knife out your pants and do him in. That's what I but think if, social media is presenting uh, No, to absolutely, kids. and I think, I mean, we don't know whether, or maybe you do know whether that was a, a, a TikTok challenge or something like that. But what they're forgetting is that that is now on record. Yeah. So any future employee, employer, um, and actually when you were talking about the, the football hooligans, there was also somebody who was an estate agent who lost his job. That's true. Something, I can't remember what it was. The same incident, I think. Um, but, you know, abuse, um, there was the, the person who urinated on um, the memorial to the murdered policeman at Westminster. You know, they do eventually get caught. And whilst they're showing these photographs of themselves, they're actually doing CCTV's job for them. The question is whether the police will investigate... Do anything and, about it. ..and whether the communities, you know, the communities who are the leaders and... Um, mentors yeah. for those kids are going to say, what the hell? But, see, once upon a time, with, faced with something like that, the business would do something. And, and you know, the restaurants, the, the mm. shop, McDonald's, would offer a reward uh, for the prosecution of people who'd so abused their staff and so forth. Perhaps they'd be afraid of a backlash uh, in the current environment. But that's the sort of thing I'd like to see happen here. Because there's no... Those people can be identified from that footage, no well, doubt exactly. about it. Well, actually, uh, one of the McDonald's have banned... Uh, unaccompanied under-18s uh, after whatever time it is, I think it's 5 o'clock, yeah. whatever time it is, because their staff are getting abused. And maybe I'm just too harsh in my old age, but I just, I'm just disgusted when I see that footage. I don't look at them and think, oh, they're ruining their job prospects. I just think you're absolute... Well, they're not thinking that. But, but the, the reality is, you know, I mean, OK, you could, in an, in an ideal world, you'd round them all up and fling them into prison. But the reality is that, that, as Alex said, it will come back to haunt them at some point. Well, good. Yeah, no, I'm good. I absolutely agree. Uh, Martin says, Michelle, when I first started in the police in 1986, there was a culture of dealing hard with the criminals and doing everything possible to protect the general public. Then the general public became liberal and wanted the criminals' rights to be protected above the victim. Sentences and prisons do not serve the purpose they were created for. If the police are not allowed to use the necessary force and intimidation against the small number of individuals that blight our society, then the public gets the results of years of that liberal policy. I think that's a rather um, vague and all-encompassing statement. I think we've seen terrible... I thought it was quite sensible, Martin. Well, I think we've seen terrible incidents of p police brutality and appalling policing. And, you know, you only have to look at what is being investigated in the Met at the moment. Um, you know, the... Yes, that's the, true. There are, you know, there are good ones and there are bad ones. There are bent coppers, there are good coppers, just as there are criminals and, uh, you know, law-abiding people. I think the problem is that the more 
um, that people are perceived to get away with it, whether that's through criminality or through McDonald's banning them or whatever it is, the easier it becomes for law-abiding people to think, well, if they're not going to do anything about those kids stealing five bottles of vodka from the, the local store, then actually I won't bother to do this or yeah. I'll take this. It breaks down the social compact, yeah, exactly. doesn't it? But, so I, I, I might not have used the words that Martin, your correspondent, used, but I, I, and I accept that it was a bit vague, uh, Jay, but on the other hand, it came from a background in, in policing and I understand the point that Martin was making. I might think about it like this, that the, the police should be um, reassuring to the law-abiding and fearsome to the law-breaking. And if our police spend their time, and we've been getting along well hitherto, and I hate to break that mood, but if the police spend their time dancing around at festivals yes. and doing TikToks and going and feeling people's collars for tweets they've sent because it's made somebody feel anxious, then it's neither reassuring to the law-abiding nor fearsome to the law-breaking. In fact, they're not really, I think, doing their jobs. And what's behind Martin's comment, and the reason I, I seek sort of to defend it, is that there's a lot of coppers who want to actually enforce the law who actually do want to do the kinds of jobs that, that we want, who aren't afraid to go into that McDonald's and try and stop it happening. But their, their leadership is telling them you should be focusing instead on these non-crimes, you know, because we can work out who that Twitter person is and so forth, so let's go and do that. Yes, uh, and I'll tell you what some people would say, because I covered the uh, dancing Macarena moronic police yesterday, and people were getting in touch with me and saying, oh, Michelle, you don't know what you're talking about. These people were doing community uh, outreach. They're trying to get in with the communities. My response to that is very simple. You're not supposed to be getting in with your communities. You're supposed to be policing no. the communities. There's supposed to be a difference between you and them. Me, we've just been discussing lawless Britain. Ooh, you must have sore fingers, you guys, because you are emailing in thick and fast. Got to say, there's a quite a strong sentiment coming through uh, from you guys at home where you're saying that there's not enough um, penalties for some of these goings-on. Uh, you want to see harsher punishment. Um, I was saying that on Twitter the other day, I want more harsher punishment. Someone wrote back to me and said, but Michelle, what are you talking about? Look at the USA. They have huge harsh punishments, including the death penalty, and look at their crime rates. What do we say back to that? You tell me. Uh, JW says, Michelle, that uh, clip that you just played of McDonald's is the best advertisement for national service that he has ever seen. Ian says, what we need, Michelle, is a public... Uh, portal, a public access site, you call it, where all these people can be named and shamed. What I'd say back to that, though, Ian, is what about if people name the wrong person? Can you imagine, I don't know, say someone goes to this public uh, thing and puts your name in there, says, I don't know, heaven forbid, you're a paedophile. That'd be out there in the public domain and maybe you're innocent. So how would you please that, you tell me? Uh, but for now, I'll move back. But there's lots of responses. Uh, I'll be reading some more out uh, before the end of the show. So... Uh, there's still 13 days to go before we've got a new Prime Minister. Uh, Liz Truss and Richard Sunak are going to face off again, this time in Birmingham. I mean, I've got to say, though, you know, it's not like me to just get to the point or anything, but Liz Truss is going to win. We all know that, don't we? Um, in fin Do you agree with me, by the way? Well, I don't know. I mean, I just feel like it's been going on since the Bronze Age. I mean, it just feels like it's been going on and on and on. Why they had to have six weeks, I really don't know. Um, you know, there's a very, very small number of people in this country who can choose the next prime minister. It is utterly ridiculous that in this cost of living crisis, with a war in Ukraine and everything else that's going on, we have had this zombie government and this, as you said, 
these two dancing around in circles, doing yet more hustings to a very small group of people, most of whom, have, I would guess, have probably made up their minds. I mean, you can't stop it now because we're two weeks away, um, but they should never have allowed a six-week voting period. It's far too long. Yeah, I, I do think shame on your party, actually, Alex, because this, I mean, what is going on in this country? I can't even think of an area of this country that's not broken. NHS, um, we've just been talking about crime. Sure. You name it, the country is broken and the Tories are A, on holiday and B, having an extended competition amongst themselves. I Obviously, you exaggerate when you say everybody's on holiday. Government takes holidays and relays in the same way that people who do shift work or uh, run our hospitals or our police force and so forth do. I don't Not think they should be on holiday. I don't think Parliament should have been prorogued for this summer. I think that they should have been back in the House of Parliament fixing the mess that is Britain. When in the last three years has there been a time when you would therefore on that basis let them take any break? Uh, well, unfortunately, when you go into public office, uh, your job is to keep the country running. And in times, so never, in the times of crisis, break. you need to be doing your job. So when yes, have we not been in crisis since so at least the beginning of 2020? So I would let people have staggered holiday because people do need a break. Uh, what I wouldn't do is essentially shut down the whole office and everyone just go take however many weeks. They're not at school. They don't need... That's, uh, that's what I mean, they because are, Parliament's work, not sitting. But they're working in their constituencies. I mean, you know, just because Boris Johnson seems... To not be... good enough, Joe. They well, need to be operating at a national level, well, fixing the mess that is Britain. Uh, they also need to be dealing with the people who elected them, which is constituency work and surgery work, a lot of which gets left behind when they're, uh, they're sitting in Parliament. Um, but the, it's the... I don't quite understand why we have a Deputy Prime Minister. What is the point? I mean, many people may say, what is the point of Dominic Raab anyway? But what is the point of having a Deputy Prime Minister if you don't, on the resignation of the sitting Prime Minister, let the Deputy take over? And I think government would have functioned a bit better. Um, obviously, no laws, no new policies can be introduced during this interim period. But the Conservative leadership contest has been far too long. Mm. Well, I agree, with the, I agree that the contest has been too long. It's not actually an interim government. He still has the full powers of a Prime Minister. People may not like it, but he's still our Prime Minister with all the powers that that office uh, entails. And the government still... There's nothing formally different about this government from well, now... Well, except that he couldn't introduce new laws that would have to go through Parliament, because by the time well, Parliament comes back... But only back, because Parliament's not sitting. Yeah. And Michelle's point is you could bring Parliament back. And it, yeah, and then I, I would have not... Be careful what you Parliament. wish for, right, if you're the Labour Party, because it's still the government, it still has a majority and so forth. But I just wanted to answer your, your point about uh, the leadership contest itself. It's obviously not the fault of the people running it that the rules are as they are. They are functionaries of a, of a political party who've been set these rules and are now executing And it. it seems to me, um, you know, touching wood, uh, that that's been going quite well. Right? There's no suggestions of, of that contest um, going badly. And I also think that um, it's not the fault of the candidates, right? You can only win the game you're in, you can only compete under the rules that you're set. But it's plainly right to say that this period is too long. I get that membership may need a bit longer than the MPs need to whittle down to two, but not this much longer. But believe me, I think that message has landed. Right? I, well, I think, hope so. given how regularly these leadership contests yeah. seem to come about, we might know relatively soon uh, when we have the next one, but I'm almost certain it won't be fought under these because, rules. Because I think, you know, it is fundamentally undemocratic that, you know, it's only such a small number of people. And I know we've had it before with Theresa May uh, and with Gordon Brown that they assumed the leadership um, because neither of those had opponents. Um, but it, it does seem, you know, the amount of airtime and newsprint that's been given over 
to these two, and yes, one of them is going to be our next Prime Minister, but so few people have actually got a say in it. Mm. Well, have you got a say in it? Uh, and if you have got a say in it, by the way, are you a bit bored of it now? I don't mean to be harsh, but it is dragging on a little bit. Look, most uh, people have already voted, right? About half of the members of the Tory party will have voted by return of post. Right? Mm. And I don't think that this process is really changing people's minds either. There's no offence to the people debating number. their hardest. Yeah. It's, it's really not making a difference to people's views. Well, you say that, actually. But um, there was a hostings here on Friday, and I obviously see the inbox, and I saw viewers that had written in saying, actually... They were changing their mind. They sure. hadn't yet voted. They were changing their mind. I spoke to the chair of, I think it was the National Young Conservatives Association or something like that, and he was saying that he reckons, I think it was about 30-odd, 35% or something like that, of his members had not yet voted. So I think there are some votes to play for, and if it is indeed tight, then you want those votes. But let's talk about leadership more generally, if we may, because uh, in Finland, you will have seen then the PM. Yeah. She's been in a bit of trouble for having a bit of a boogie. All the rest of it is all over social media. Uh, people saying, actually, she's not fit to be in office at that level because, well, it almost makes me laugh, but she was out dancing and all the rest of it. Yeah, I think that's guff. And um, I, I think that, um, look, she's having a, she a, a good time. And if actually what they mean is she's too young for my preference, she shouldn't be in office because she's not experienced enough, or if they're hiding their criticism behind, you know, actually they don't, they don't want a young woman running things, or uh, that, then they, that's their view. It's not the view that I have. And the funny thing about it to me is that there's been hypocrisy on, on both sides. The people who defended Boris Johnson taking his holidays who said this is silly from a prime minister. There'd be people who criticised Boris Johnson for his holidays who are saying it's totally fine for a young woman to be doing this. I, I'm equal opportunities on this. I think it's, politicians need a break. Contrary to you, Michelle, I don't think we should beast them until we have a, a cadre of dedicated public servants so tired they can't lift their arms. I want people to have a good time. Uh, good on Boris for taking a break and good on this woman for going out. And, and it was in a private house. I mean, that's yeah. the other thing. The, the, the video that you've just shown was in a private house with her friends. Now, you know, there are questions over how stuff gets shared and yeah. whether you can trust Peril your friends age, and right? things. But, you know, you would always, whatever you do, and I'm sure when you're doing your um, work with uh, politicians and uh, the same as I do, Alex, that, you know, you say to people, always assume whatever you say is being recorded and whatever you do is being yep. recorded. You know, everything. So something will come out eventually. Never assume that there is anything private. It's a shame, right? There's no it's real privacy. There's no shame. privacy anymore. It's a terrible shame. But I think it's, um, you know, to say she's unfit for office yeah. because she's with a group of girlfriends, she's not doing anything wrong, illegal or immoral. She had a drugs test which is proved negative. Yeah, I, don't, I, mean, I don't know why she bothered with that. But the thing is, we, we, we now... If, let's go down this course far enough. What we've got... Not, not describing all of this to you, Michelle. What we'll wind up with is a bunch of vanilla automata who've never had anything of interest or anything... Uh, and the, the irony with British mentality is that in this country, we at the same time hold up Churchill, who was a boozer of gargantuan yeah, proportions, uh, and realise that he was somebody of incredible leadership qualities, and on the other hand say, well, we want people to behave basically as if they've never stepped a foot wrong in their entire lives. You will get the worst kind well, of party and, machine and dullards if that's And we've seen take. it, haven't we, Alex, over the last 20 years or so, that you've got career politicians who've done nothing, yeah. who've gone, you know, from university or to school to work for an MP, maybe been a local councillor, then they've become an MP themselves. They've got no life experience. Um, and, you know, those that have, it's very, very narrow. You know, there are a few doctors 
I can't think of very many farmers. Um, there are several lawyers um, and there are lots of PR people. But there's nobody, you know, when you think back, and this is going to make, you know, make it sound like ancient history, but, you know, there are very few people apart from Tobias Elwood and Tom Tugendhat who've been in the services. Um, there are not many people who've done real you know, hands-on job for a lengthy period of time. I mean, Johnny Mercer is another oh, another distinguished Mercer, um, yes. former soldier. Uh, but the, 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 one of the re trouble with that is, is that we, at the same time, say we want our politicians to have life experience, but on the other hand, we say that we don't want them to have second jobs, right? So mm -hmm. we don't want you to have any kind of ongoing... Unless you've got a stethoscope round your neck, in which case you're fine. Mm -hmm. But outside of that, if you go on continuing to have outside earnings, we disapprove at the same time that we pretend that we want politicians with outside experience. The point of it is, I think, that we don't want people who view politics as a whole career. So you go on farming because you're a farmer who happens to be in politics for a few years. You go on being a soldier because you're a soldier who happens to be in politics for a few years, rather than someone who just had a quick career step before going on to the real thing, which is being in politics. Exactly. Presumably that's what we don't want. And if that's what we think, then we should allow outside earnings and be a bit more well, reasonable about and it. And actually, you know, we should perhaps sometimes be kinder um, you know, and we talk about politicians at Westminster, but there are politicians across this country who work incredibly hard at local council level, at That's county right. council level. There are mayors. Um, there are people who do it f with no reward, no publicity, um, you know, and they are getting the same problems in their inbox as an MP um, without half the backup and half the resources to deal with it. So I do think, you know, anyone who goes into politics has to think about it really, really carefully. And I do genuinely believe that most people go into politics for the right reason. Yep. Sometimes the system breaks them because they realise when they get to Westminster that they can't do the things that they wanted to do. Um, and they get caught up in the party machine. And then, you know, you get promises of favouritism and legs up... Um, greasy poles and things like that. It's a very tough world to go into. Mm. It's a tough world to go into, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, does your heart bleed for that <laughs> tough world and all of those poor people that are in it with their second, third, fourth jobs, their uh, multi-million pound speaking careers afterwards? Am I being a little bit harsh? You tell me. He's nodding. Um, I don't think I'm being harsh at all, uh, but I'm sure you'll tell me if you think that I am. Uh, lots of you, though, I can still tell you, still emailing um, about that crime situation. Uh, there's quite a sentiment here, actually, that it's all a little bit sad. It is, actually. I do feel that. Some of the things that goes on, uh, it is quite sad, isn't it? And some of you, by the way, uh, posting in answers. And I'm thinking, what is it you're doing? And then I just remembered oh. I posed a, a maths question to you earlier. I was thinking, what, what is this? Alma. Yeah, Alma, her and her husband, John, have answered birth questions. Uh, John apparently answered them birth within seconds, if you're wondering what I'm talking about. I'm talking about GCSE questions. Uh, should we still have GCSEs and A-levels? You tell me. Lots of you still writing in about crime. Um, I could have filled a whole show with that one tonight. Lots of passionate thoughts uh, with you guys at home. If you were tuned in at the start of this programme, you might remember that I posed a couple of questions to you, a couple of GCSE questions. The first one, um, I asked you to solve the following equation. Um, I was just mentioning before the break that Alma, uh, one of my viewers, had written in saying that her husband, John, there was no messing around with John, he answered both of these questions, the one that I've just shown you and the one that I'm about to show you in a second, within seconds, says Alma. 
Well, you need to give your bloke a bit of a prod, Alma, because he got one of the answers wrong. <laughs> get rid of him, that's what I say. Get rid. Bloody hell, get Michelle. Get rid. What? You've got to ask a math question wrong on the telly and you want him divorced. Listen, it's Alma, give him it's a chance. Yeah. It's a competitive world out you there. Let him take a reset. Come rid. on. Right. Uh, anyway, so the answer to the first one, uh, the one that I just showed you, the answer there is 24. Did you get that? I did. John? John, you got that right. Alma's husband got that right. The second question that I posed was about angles on a straight line. What you had to do was find the um, value of X. What do you think the answer to that was? Uh, Alex and Jers looking at it intensely. Uh, uh, John, Alma's husband, he answered it in seconds, everyone, and said 44. Yeah. Guess what? It was wrong. Because he was going off of the inside angle, the outside angle. At the answer is 34 oh, degrees. John, 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 I'd John. Like anyway, why am I asking you about these questions? Uh, because... They're GCSE questions now. There's calls that uh, GCSEs and A-levels should apparently be scrapped. They're saying, apparently, that this is all about recall. What can you remember? And then what can you recall when you're in an exam situation? Apparently, it's pretty pointless. Instead, we need radical reform, apparently. Yeah. Some form of ongoing assessment. Alex Dean. I don't believe, actually, that, the, that those things are pointless. I accept that there may be a need for a change or reform in examinations. Nobody should ever pretend that the system is unimproved but the, one of the basic criticisms being levied at our current environment is that it's too stressful. Uh, it produces stressful situations uh, and that it'd be much better to have continuous ongoing um, assessment over time. But the thing about life is that it involves moments of stress. Yes. Right? And, and being uh, employed involves moments of stress and involves having to recall things under pressure at short notice from people that you might find intimidating or not like and so forth. Well, that's life. And if we are trying to prepare people for the world, it seems to me that pretending the world is different from that is a very bad place to start. But we do do that. We do that in every aspect of life when it comes to kids, Alex. When we they're young, yes. By the spaces. time they're 16 or 18, they might be going out into the world. And this, this proposal has come from Tony Blair, hasn't it? From the Tony Blair It Institute. has indeed. I mean, it's not, you know, he's it's not... It's a bad start, person. isn't it? Well, you know... This well, yeah, is... that's why I missed that bit out. <laughs> well, I skipped over that little bit. This is, a, this is a man who, as Prime Minister, wanted to get more than 50% of kids to university. And it hasn't actually worked for so many people because yeah. they've gone to university... They've found that it's not for them. They've dropped out. They've wasted time that could have been done on an apprenticeship or going to university later. Absolutely right. And it hasn't made us a better educated nation. I think, you know, what I'm quite interested in, and it, it hasn't quite taken off, and I'm not sure why, is the English baccalaureate, which was proposed a few years ago and is in place in some schools as an alternative to GCSEs. Um, and A-levels. And it does seem to me that that gives you a much more rounded range of basic subjects. Um, I mean, of course, exams are, are stressful, but I completely agree with Alex. It's, you know, they're stressful for the teachers as well. Mm. But that is life. If we are getting children coming out of school who have got, you know, fabulous exam results, but no social skills, that's a different question. But changing the exam system isn't going to change that. Yeah, I agree.
Uh, apparently, um, they want the new focus to be, when I say they, I mean the Tony Blair Institute, you're quite right. Uh, they want it to be on the four C's, apparently, uh, which are critical thinking, creativity, communication and collaboration. Well, Blair, That's the four C's. Blair was always very good at communication, but I doubt the critical thinking has been applied much here because they don't seem to have appreciated that Tony Blair attaching his name to something tends to make it less popular amongst <laughs> the current British public. So if they wanted this idea to seed well, they should have given it to somebody else. And critical thinking, you know, all of those things are very important. Sure. But they should be as part of, you know, when you're doing your English, which is a compulsory subject, that should be about critical thinking, as is science. It's about, you know, yeah. checking and being critical and, and, and checking things. Yes, but what makes me laugh, it's all right coming out and saying, oh, we want four Cs, one of the four Cs is critical thinking. No, you don't want critical thinking. You almost want in this society now, many of the teachers, many of the lecturers, it's almost a form of indoctrination. You have these kind of mindsets. They cancel speakers from going into educational institutions. Well, you have uh, safe spaces in case people uh, get upset what they hear. You have trigger warnings and everything. Yeah. You don't want critical thinking at all. You want to indoctrinate a sense of absolute ridiculousness. And then when these kids get into the real world, yes. goodness gracious that's me. But that's Michelle, why they... he's right to say that you need to bring in critical thinking. Yes, although thinking. he may not be a good example yes, of it. Exactly. The, the trouble with the mindset you're, you're accurately describing, Michelle, is that some people now regard themselves as so tolerant that they cannot tolerate someone else's point of view. Yes, good point. Right. Uh, that is all we've got time for. Just a couple more of your thoughts on some of these topics, by the way. Helen is blaming uh, the violent films. That was what we started this programme with someone else wrote in um, and said about uh, TV has a lot to answer for. Drill music, someone else says. Margaret, I'm going to end on your comment because, quite frankly, I think it is incredibly sensible. She says, when I was young and I got into trouble outside the house, my biggest fear above all else was my parents, particularly my father, finding out and the subsequent consequences nowadays. Margaret says there's no discipline at home, very often no father on the scene and, how should she put it, no consequences. Margaret, you pick up a sense that many others have picked up on my inbox tonight, which is stop blaming everyone else, stop blaming the police, the this, the that. Look inwards. Blame the parents, that's what she says. I would even go a step further and say some of these kids need to blame themselves. Look inward, stop blaming everyone else for all your problems. Uh, look at yourself and just be a better person. Right, that's all we've got time for. Joe, Alex, thank you very thank much you. for your time. Thanks for listening to Jubes and Co, the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you will never miss an episode. And if you've enjoyed it, leave us a nice comment. I'll see you next time.